This episode of Hello PhD is sponsored by Promega and listeners like you. Thanks for your support. They mentioned that there was a, a meeting yesterday titled Escaping Academia, Life Beyond the PhD. And with that provocative title, there was a line outside of the conference hall and, and like down the corridor where the fire marshal was encouraging people to get out of line because they were blocking traffic. Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. This week, we are coming to you live from the Society for Neuroscience Conference in Washington, D.C. Stay with us. All right. Hey, Dan. We are here at the Society for Neuroscience 2023 conference in Washington, D.C. And how's your conference been so far? It's going great, Josh. Uh, it is jumping right now. We have just switched to a new poster session. So thousands and thousands of posters, as far as the eye can see, in both directions. I think there are 30,000 people attending the conference, is the estimate I heard. And it is definitely the biggest conference I've ever been to. Yeah, this is really unbelievable. I mean, as I'm standing here, literally, Dan, as far as the eye can see, in both directions, uh, people presenting posters about neuroscience. Uh, it really, I didn't realize the scale uh, it, really, it really gives you appreciation for the scale of science and scientific research. This is just neuroscience. Just neuroscience. And it's a family fair, Josh. I, I see people walking by with kids. I just heard a baby crying. It's like everybody is here, apparently. Science is for everyone. Well, Dan, it has been really fun to talk to a lot of uh, students and trainees over the last couple of days. We've gotten a chance to speak with uh, undergraduates, grad students, postdocs, uh, faculty, and I always love coming to these, Dan. I feel like we get a lot of rapid perspectives all at once. Um, and you can kind of really start to see some themes of things that are on a lot of people's minds. Uh, particularly, Dan, you know, some of the undergrads we talk to, it helps you take you back to, one, just the experience of going from being an undergrad in your lab at your institution or during your summer program to coming to a big national meeting where suddenly, oh, wow, there's 30,000 other people who are also interested in neuroscience. Um, I can remember that, uh, having that experience as an undergrad myself, and it really was eye-opening to me, like, oh, a lot of people actually care about this stuff. It's exciting and it's validating to know that the, the little piece of the world that you have investigated is actually valuable and interesting to a bunch of other people. So I think there's a lot of energy at a conference like this that maybe you, over the course of a year, you forget. Uh, how many people are, are also racing toward these answers? And, and you're racing with them and you're, sometimes you're racing against them. But the conference gives you a chance to just re-energize yourself, make a lot of contacts. And, and that's what I see going on. I, I don't see a single poster where a person is standing by themselves. Like from, from where we're standing, there are crowds of people, and I think that's a really wonderful opportunity. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, you know, I think the other side of that, Dan, is what we've heard from some of the undergrads we've talked to is, you know, they're enjoying this time doing research for the most part, um, and they're talking to a lot of people, and it can seem like everyone you talk to is so sure of your career, uh, sure about what you want to do with your interest in science. Uh, but what we're hearing from people is a reminder that it really is a big life decision about whether or not to finish your undergrad and take that next step for five or six years into a PhD program. And, and, we, and we've had some questions from, uh, from folks at that level about, well, you know what, I'm, I like science, but I'm not sure what I want to do with my career is it okay? Should I pursue a PhD program at all if I don't know specifically what it is I want to do? That's right. We spoke with Ethan, who stopped by and, and chatted. And Ethan's concern was, so Ethan is an undergrad. 
uh, looking at maybe pursuing a PhD, but not sure. And so I think what he's doing is taking some time off. He's going to work in a lab, get some of that experience. But I think some of the questions he had for us, Josh, were surrounding how do I make the decision? You know, even if you look around this neuroscience conference, there are hundreds of different disciplines enacted here in different ways of exploring neuroscience. There are behaviorists, there are people doing live cell imaging, there are people doing animal research. And so, you know, like even this one small subset of science, how, how does he make a choice? And is he getting himself locked in to a career that maybe he doesn't want? Yeah, and I think the good news is that uh, there are a lot of different things you can do with a PhD. And we tell grad students all the time, or people interested in grad school, uh, an important thing to do as a graduate student during that time is to self-reflect and explore who you are and what it is you want to do with that PhD. And there really are a lot of doors uh, that can be open. I think the important part um, in that decision-making whether or not to go to grad school is do I like doing research? Am I excited by scientific discovery, working in the lab, uh, working on a project, answering questions? Because that's a big part of being a grad student. And we also talked to students who uh, were not totally convinced. They were not totally sure. They'd gotten a taste of research and, and they liked it, but they weren't sure that they liked it enough to pursue, uh, pursue a PhD. That's right. We talked to one woman who, who said, my PI tells me I'm great at this. She had just finished her bachelor's degree. Uh, the career path that seemed obvious was to go to graduate school. That's what her advisor was advising her to do. But you could see in her eyes that it was not what she was excited about. And, you know, I, I try not to talk people out of uh, grad school just because I had a challenging experience, Josh, as you know. But it, it seemed to me that she was doing it because this external force told her it was the right thing. And, and she didn't have another vision of what to do. And so it was kind of the default path. And I think the one thing that you and I get afraid of is going to grad school by default or doing a postdoc by default. That's, that's a dangerous decision. Or doing it because it's someone else's dream for you. And, and I thought one of the most telling things that she said was she felt like her advisor's goals and her goals were not aligned. And, and one of the things we, we talked about is the importance of your career decision is just that it's your decision you're the one who's going to have to wake up in your shoes and pursue that career do the work uh, live with those decisions and so it can be very nice to seek advice and to get external validation from a trusted source that hey you know what you have a lot of potential uh, to go down this path and do this but only if you want to only if that is truly your passion and desire to do so yeah and now josh you're probably tired of hearing me talk about it but my burning question on this trip has really been around how are grad students and postdocs thinking about career? What are you planning to do? Uh, how do you view the opportunities, the costs, the pros, the cons of academia or industry or the other opportunities? Do you even know about all the opportunities? And I think my impression is people are deeply uncertain right now about what their options are. So I walked around a little bit uh, to different posters. I kind of cornered people who I could spot and I said, talk to me about your career. And a lot of people said, I don't feel certain enough about that to talk about it. You know, I don't know whether the microphone was intimidating or if they really just felt uncertain and they didn't want to commit themselves to saying, I'm considering academia or I'm considering industry. Um, I do know one person I talked to, they mentioned that there was a, a meeting yesterday about, it was titled, Escaping Academia, Life Beyond the PhD. And with that provocative title, there was a line outside of the conference hall and, and like down the corridor where the fire marshal was encouraging people to get out of line because they were blocking traffic. So That's telling. That should be a klaxon, right? That should be the red light flashing saying, hey, academia, there's a, 
there's a line of people that are trying to get out. And so I asked the person, I said, well, what was the, what was the meeting like? What, what did they talk about? And she said, I don't know. I couldn't get in. So there is a, I think there's a real worry uh, with people in academia saying, I'm not sure I want to continue doing this. But again, I don't think there are great resources telling them about what their options are. Yeah, I think we, you know, this is a topic we talk about a lot on the show through the years. And I do think that um, as on average programs have been, PhD programs have been more proactive at providing that information for students about careers outside of academia. Certainly, Dan, compared to when, when you and I were in school, we've had conversations with students over the last couple of days about how back when we were in grad school, I mean, really, there was zero information about uh, anything outside of academia. Um, now, you might get some information about industry, but um, really, I think students are having to take matters into their own hands to try to cobble together uh, information about those careers. And by the way, I think uh, us being here at this conference, this is a good reminder of the importance of conferences like this. Maybe you have interest in these other careers and you're not getting information about them at your own institution or in your own program, but conferences like this Society for Neuroscience Conference or other big topical meetings like this are increasingly having professional development sessions about a variety of careers specifically tailored for grad students and trainees. That was also true at the cell biology meeting we were at last year, Dan. Um, so if you... If you can get into those meetings and sessions. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> if you're not blocked from them by the fire marshal, you that's can learn That's a good point. More. Maybe ask if they're going to be, be recorded. Um, you know, Dan, I guess the, the last thing that, that jumped out to me is and this is something we know, but we've had conversations uh, where, you know, some trainees, we talked to a postdoc who um, has obviously been in the academic training path for quite a while, all the way to the postdoc level. And as they were considering their career, you know, thinking about, is this even the lifestyle I want? Because maybe I enjoy I science, but I'm looking around and, you know, I see I'm getting emails on Sunday all the time. And I feel like there aren't good boundaries between work and life. And is that really something I want to tether myself to as a career for the rest of my life? And, and Dan, I think that's something you and I are, are acutely aware of, is the fact that that decision about which career path to take sometimes can be um, a lifestyle choice and looking around saying, hey, you know what, the culture that I have experienced, I'm looking at, that's not something that I want to continue with. But it's not always a decision that you get to make, right? Uh, so depending on what the job market is looking like, people may be forced to make a decision about uh, what job they need to take. Um, uh, to, to add to that, Josh, I don't know how we solve some of those problems with the Sunday emails and just the culture of academia because I think it comes from the top. It comes from the PIs. Uh, and so to make that change, you'd have to get a lot of people to agree to a different way of working and I'm just not sure how that would manifest. Like, where would that impetus come from? Yeah, I think that is a really important topic that, that maybe we should continue to uh, explore on the show because, you know, we had a conversation just a few minutes ago about that, Dan, is using the example of, of this culture of, of very few boundaries between work and life, you know, getting the emails on, on the weekends. I think very few people actually want that. But I know I didn't, and it wasn't until I sort of moved out of the, the pure academic space that I realized it's not like that everywhere. And, and then also there is a way of working that doesn't include that. And so, but when you're in the middle of it, 
it can even be hard to dream or imagine that you actually uh, could experience a work culture that's different than the one that you're in. Um, I think it is possible. I agree. I think it does take uh, buy-in from the top, but I think it also just requires some very explicit and open calling out of practices that just aren't really helpful for the humans involved, but also probably aren't benefiting science or scientific progress either. That's right. We talked about when you were in grad school, Josh, and you would go in on Sundays to maybe start a cell culture. Uh, the question is, why can't you start that cell culture on Monday and do some writing on you know Monday before the cells are ready and, and get your experiments done Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Uh, it, it's a decision. Like it's a it's part of how science is done, but it doesn't mean it has to be that way forever. Well, Dan, this has been uh, really great. Again, this is uh, our second time in a little over a year coming to a big conference, and it's been so so rich to get to talk to so many trainees. And also, Dan, you know, I'd be remiss not to say it's really inspiring too to just be reminded that there are so many people who are passionate about science and in so many different ways too. And to see all that in one place really reminds you um, about all the people who are involved in this process, which is why we do what we do. Well, and let me throw in my, my miniature plug for Promega, who uh, obviously sponsored the podcast and sponsored our ability to be at this conference. We're hanging out at their booth, and so I'm getting to listen to their representatives talk science with anybody that walks up. So it's they've got some fluorophores they're working on, and it's really cool that uh, being on this side of the booth, hearing scientists come up, have questions about their research, and having these professionals engage in whatever topic that the scientists are interested in. And it's kind of a, a cool process. And of course, there's lots of resources on promega.com slash HelloPhD for our listeners who are grad students, trainees, and uh, we hope you check that out too. Yeah, thanks so much to them. And thanks to everyone else for listening and to everyone who came up and talked to us at the conference. Uh, it was really great, really great to meet you. And for those of you listening, maybe we'll see you at a future conference. All right, John, we'll see you then. 